yes, hello, welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller, uh, author, journalist, man trying to flog a book called The Gender Agenda. It's nearly Christmas. Go and buy it. It's really good. It's probably on the knockdown somewhere. You didn't even wait ten minutes before you got your plug in. It's nearly Christmas. i got to plug it, man. Uh, I am joined today by, as you've already heard, uh, Neil Gray, MP for Airdrie and Shots and SMP shadow spokesman on Social Social Justice. Justice. There we go. All right. And we've got a new guest uh, for the first time. He was desperate to come. He's been waiting, <laughs> literally waiting years for this opportunity. <laughs> that is actually true. It is... Uh, what's your, who are you again? No, I'm only joking. It's Martin McCluskey, former Labour advisor. Recently liberated. Uh, recently liberated. Um, should we talk about that, about people that have been Labour people that have been recently liberated? Who else is on your list? Kezia Dugdale. Back today, apparently. Went to the jungle. Yeah, back today. Got off at Edinburgh that? Airport. What did, did I think? It? Did you watch I it? did watch it. Um, did you vote for her? Uh, did you I vote for her I didn't to do terrible actually, things? No, I didn't participate in it in either direction. I didn't. Did you know? I didn't vote for her to stay in. I didn't vote for her to do any horrible tasks. I was actually. Uh, I spent a week in Sky on the first week of it. So well, it's a bit like being for, in the jungle. Yeah, isn't it? for, most of it, um, for most of it. For most of it, I was. What is that? Not what it's like? Yeah. Does it not like eat bugs and things on Sky? Is that, that not what terrible? So, uh, so I caught. I caught bits and pieces of it. Oh, I caught bits and pieces. Yeah, I bet. Um, you, well, you played that wrong, didn't you? Because if you'd been Alan Roden, you could have been out there. <laughs> that has got to be weird Scottish political moment. Of Alan, 2017. Yeah. Alan Roden. Of all the, welcoming uh, of all the bizarre political the moments of 2017, seeing Alan Roden on the I'm a Celebrity Bridge was probably up there on the top three. That was just bizarre. It really was. Um, well, there we go. Um, are you a fan of Richard Leonard? Yes. Even though he sacked you. <laughs> he did it exactly. Oh, he did, didn't he? No, no, that's not how it works, James. Oh, is it not? No. You're attached to one individual, and when oh, that right. individual um, stops being the politician or the leader or whatever, you well, move on. For a leader, it's all, and about, after, all about job and, and after, workers. You've after, put somebody out of work already. You've, 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 you've still nice. got a chance, though, because he's not appointed his shadow cabinet yet, so... Well, I don't. Th- I don't think I'm quite going to be the shadow cabinet. No, 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 but, but, you know, but you know, advising the shadow cabinet. I think after I think after five and a half years, and I think what, what was the last count? I think seven different campaigns. I think now is the time to to possibly sleep. This, this <laughs> shadow cabinet is going to be amazing, isn't it? It's going to be brilliant. I mean, who's he trying to who's he trying to get? Is he trying to get Beyonce or something? He, what, what, what are these negotiations? Or is he just waiting for Kez to come back? So I'm he sure it'll make, be, give her a big job. I'm sure it'll be interesting. I'm sure it will be. Uh, Scottish Labour is always interesting, right? Keep, that at least I, we can we all keep agree journalists on that. like you in jobs. Oh, That's the on. way that we look at it. You can't deny Scottish Labour. <laughs> you win at the heart of it. Let's talk about uh, PMQs. So we start with this. There you go. Live jingle bells. I've never wet this. Christmas. I've always wondered what it looks like when you play the, the magic. jingles. I just press the button. I just press it's, the button and yeah. it plays. That's what happens. That's it. It's seamless. Oh my, seamless. And the bubble's been burst <laughs> on, your, on your dreams and thoughts of. What? That's what happened. Right? It was my, my interesting jingle machine. I just pressed the button, right? Um, PMQs. Um, well, I thought it was a kind of interesting one. On the face of it, it was uh, not that interesting. But there was a few interesting issues popped up. And I would say for perhaps the first time uh, Ian Blackford's question was one of the more interesting ones I mean you're going to agree aren't you well I, I don't agree with the, the first part of your question <laughs> there right. that it was, for the first time it was the most because I think Ian genuinely has done very well since he 
uh, to go from Angus. Yeah. Um, but no, I think he was absolutely right to raise uh, RBS closures because uh, we made an investment uh, as taxpayers in RBS in 2008. And you, when you make an investment, uh, whether that's private or government, when you make an investment, you expect some kind of return. And what Theresa May effectively said uh, in her response to Ian was, we have no control over any return on the investment that we that we yeah. made. And I, I think that that... Uh, responsibility to communities, not just in Scotland but elsewhere in the UK, because of course Caroline Flint raised it as mm-hmm. well, um, is very important, and I think they need to be held to account for the decisions that they're making. I mean, we didn't really make an investment. I would suggest, you know, what we, else did we make well, if we, we didn't bought the bank? Basically, I mean, <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> that makes it sound like you went. Well, that looks like a good investment. Well, uh, I'll put uh, some money in that. All right, well, like... we're dancing on the head of a pin. <laughs> we ploughed a heck yes. of a lot of money <laughs> into. RBS, and I think we expect in return for that some cognizance for local communities who, in many cases, will be losing their last bank. Um, in cases like uh, in my constituency, they're losing um, iconic buildings from the high street. They've already uh, closed the branch in Shorts, which is um, in a, a, a prime site on the, the Shorts Main Street and mm-hmm. a, a, an iconic building. It's still lane empty after yeah. all this time, but despite promises uh, to myself and Alec Neil that the, that they would look to make sure that it was kept open. And now the same is happening in Airdrie. And it's a big worry for people, not just, um, uh, you know, um, uh, private customers, but for businesses as well who rely on the bank for depositing cash. Yeah, I mean, I think, and it's worth pointing out that yeah, RBS are not the only ones. Let's face it, lots of other banks have shut their no, branches. But of course, we uh, own RBS. That's the difference. And it's a third of their branch network. It's massive. The scale that they're they're looking at. You can tell it's a good question because Caroline Flint asked about it. Mm. As well. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not entirely undermining Ian Blackford there, but it's true. I mean. Um, if somebody else asks about the same issue, that suggests you might be onto something when it's Caroline Flint who is in touch. I mean, for better or worse, I know she's got some interesting views about Brexit and immigration and stuff, but she's in touch with hmm. your ordinary voter, I would yeah. suggest, most of the time. And, and I don't think you're going to find much disagreement between me and Neil on, hmm. on this. Like, Absolutely. Uh, Richard Leonard last week said much the same as Ian Blackford um, said today, and it definitely was one of Ian Blackford's stronger performances since he became since he became leader. But I, I think the other thing that I think a lot of people will probably um, consider is quite how much money this is going to raise. And I think the Daily Record did a piece last week where it said it was only going to raise, I think it was something like eight, nine million, which you know pales in comparison to the amount of money that RBS pays out in bonuses and executive salaries. 350 million it was announced the other day. Yeah, so, you know, how... You're ripping in some in some parts of the country. As I said a minute ago, I was up up north on holiday. Um, actually, when this was announced, and um, Bewley, which is one of the places near Inverness, that's actually affected. This is the last bank in Bewley leaving. Um, it's ripping. Uh, it's ripping something out of the high street, out somewhere that already that still that still needs an active high street in a small community, rural community. Um, and I think, like like Neil said, it's also affecting historic buildings, and it's. And it's right that I think we should be saying as taxpayers, um, what are we going to, you know, what are we going to do about this, and how are we going to make sure that mm. RBS don't rip the hearts out of some of these communities? Nationalise the bank. That's what Jeremy Corbyn would do. Well, that was what. That was pretty much what we did. Didn't go the full hog and nationalise them. <laughs> just gave them some money to stop them going bust. Should have just nationalised them. I don't think then we would have had the control, and then. If you didn't like the fact that they were shutting branches, you could vote out whoever was. I think as well. There's also I don't think that you always need to jump to nationalisation. I think it's also just businesses being responsible and understanding where the public are. You know, I think there's that. What? No, I think there's. I think there are. I think there are. There's a responsibility on business to actually properly, not just RBS, but all businesses to consult with their, Mm -hmm. with their, um, with their, with their customers. Um, 
There's yes, a responsibility there is. on business no, to make money. That's what businesses exist for. Let's not pretend that they're in it to be nice. Business exists to make money. I'm not trying to pretend to be nice, but, but but then if this behaviour puts off customers from banking with RBS, mm. or if this kind of behaviour puts, if, if similar behaviour puts people off using a certain business, then that's going to have an impact mm. on, on their profits as much as not really, as much not, as this. they've got nowhere else to go. Well, got, they're going to have nowhere to go exactly. after this. After this bank shuts, so there's the problem. That's why you have to have some sort of at least one nationalised bank. Well, I think I, it'll be interesting to see how it pans <clears> out over the next few weeks. I think because I think they're under. I think they've probably experienced more pressure and um, and more backlash than maybe they were anticipating before yes. these announcements were made. And I think actually, I think MP after MP and communities affected and even the communities aren't affected are standing up and, mm-hmm. and and opposing these changes. I haven't seen much support anywhere other than the Tory front bench. And, and speaking of pressure, we're of course under time pressure because. I'm about to go to yeah. a meeting with RBS that's been organised by Ian Blackford where we're going to put that direct ple- pressure uh, on their senior management to try and uh, let them see that this is a short-sighted move. That absolutely bank high street banking is changing um, and people are moving towards uh, online banking and telephone banking and other ways um, of non-traditional banking, but not everybody is. And at the moment, they're at risk of leaving behind people who are in the most vulnerable category of uh, consumer who don't have access to the internet or don't have access to the skills to use the internet or don't have the confidence for various reasons uh, in, uh, in internet banking and they're leaving these customers behind. And Martin is absolutely right. The banks have an onus to take their customers with them when they make these massive changes uh, to to the network. It would be very easy to bring pressure on RBS, of course, because Ian Blackford will know all these guys from his days in the city. I bet he knows Ross McEwen. I bet he's been to some high-end, whatever they used to call them. Not What were they called? All the yuppies used to go to instead of pubs and bars. They used to go I to. I don't know. Oh, where, where did all the uh, wine bars? Wine <laughs> bars. <laughs> I was going to say you're clearly you're clearly more familiar than I am. Back in the eighties, the yuppies used to go to James. wine bars. Well, I, I mean, bet Ian and, Ian, uh, and Ian, Ross McEwen have sat in a wine bar together. Ian has quite clearly shown at Prime Minister's questions that he is not in the pockets of the city. Uh, that he is quite willing and able and uh, happy to challenge when there are ridiculous decisions such as been taken by RBS in this occasion and he was absolutely right to raise it and the fact that he is, uh, has experience in the city and, and banking uh, should show uh, people that um, he should be listened to because he has got a wealth of experience in this area uh, and uh, obviously speaks with authority because of that experience Started out behind the counter, didn't he? In his local branch of something or other that's what he claims. Uh, well, I don't, I don't a, know. I haven't seen. Just a simple loon from Edinburgh uh, claims uh, to be. He just started out in the bank. Yeah. Well, and uh, ended up a multi-millionaire. Uh, and Crofter. Yeah. And Crofter. Yeah. 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 He's, I haven't seen I Ian's. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen Ian's most extensive CV, but uh, yeah, I know. I know of his history. In this it's, a, it's a rags to riches tale. I think it's all in the register of members' interest. It is. It <laughs> is. Go and look at it later. Um, okay. Listen. What else should we cover from PMQs? Uh, I thought it was quite interesting the number of people who said feminism. I mean, it was always men and it didn't look very good. But given that we're expecting a ruling on the deputy prime or not, sorry, the first secretary is not the deputy prime minister, but Damien Green's um, sexual assaults allegations. Uh, interesting that some of Theresa May's backbenchers should jump up and say, she's a good feminist. Isn't, isn't it great being feminist? Tories are good feminists. Am I reading too much into that? Perhaps. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think... Um, um, to be fair, I don't think there will be anyone on the Tory benches that will be looking to knife 
Damien Green because clearly he um, is the glue at the moment that is holding together a very frail um, cabinet. Having said that, you know it's going to be a big test of Theresa May's leadership um, because um, if you know the the inquiry does found that he has. Uh, even come close to any kind of wrongdoing as First Secretary of State, de facto Deputy Prime Minister, then she has a responsibility to act and to act decisively. Um, Jeremy Corbyn went on homelessness, which was a good issue, did some bits that will be on Facebook. Well done him, didn't really achieve very much as far as I could see, fair to say. No. Um, I think I, I think it was a I think it was a strong line of question, especially in the run up to Christmas, and especially when um, I don't think there's any major city in the UK that you walk through at the moment mm. and don't yeah. see mm. dozens of people. And one of the things that's really struck me, and obviously he was more talking about homelessness in England and Wales, but one of the things that strikes me at the moment when you walk through Glasgow and Edinburgh is the sheer number of homeless people mm. um, that you see in the streets. And it's and it's markedly, I think, changed in the last year or so, where it's not just people who look like they've, they've maybe just fallen on hard times, but actually people who look like they are suffering from quite severe critical mental health problems as well, or look like they have quite um, difficult illnesses. So I think, you know, maybe um, it didn't bring the chamber... Uh, alive in the sort of booyah politics we normally mm. get in there but I, I certainly <clears> think it's something that people out in the country are going to recognise because they're seeing it playing out in their towns and cities every mm. single day at the moment but that's what he does now isn't it? He gets up at BMQs does bits for Facebook which will go out to all his fans in the, in the, in the country who will actually see it you know, you can argue whether, whether that's a good thing or not. Should he actually be asking more pointed questions? Like, I've, 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 I've heard, I've heard you say this before in this podcast. I think actually, I do disagree. No, no, it's, it's a new thing. No, isn't well, I, maybe it's not you. This it? Maybe you said it to I me. Maybe it's I do think it's. Um, I don't actually think that's. I don't think that's a bad thing. That if he he is talking about stuff that is resonating with people um, in their communities around the country, like what that's surely what politics is about. Speaking to people in their own lives. Now, if he if he has no, but if he has but he is holding the PM to account. He was asking direct questions about house building, quality, standard of housing, standard of housing. Um, All of those questions are important questions that the government uh, are responsible for. And you know, one of the things that I've found is stepping. It's only been a matter of weeks, but even just that matter of weeks of stepping back from the Hollywood bubble, the Westminster bubble, is that once you get out of it, you, the, the attention you're paying to day-to-day politics disappears yeah. and you realise there's actually very little that does cut through on a day-to-day basis. And actually one of the things that has been cutting through are Jeremy Corbyn's social media posts, which you see and people pay attention to. So mm-hmm. I don't think that's a bad thing if he's picking up on issues that are actually directly affecting people across the country. Um, that's what people want from their politicians. Are you a Corbynista? I support Jeremy Corbyn. Are you Corbynista? I, I take the Richard Leonard approach to uh, this question, which oh. is which is that... Are you trying to get a job with Richard Leonard? No, I'm, I'm a little bit long, long in the tooth at this stage of my career, but having been a member of the Labour Party since I was, what, 16, um, under Tony Blair, Gordon Brown, Ed Miliband, Jeremy Corbyn, worked for Ed Miliband. You know, I'm not going to start to label myself... Uh, ally, ally myself to one particular politician. Uh, I'll support the Labour Party. I support Jeremy Corbyn. I want him to be Prime Minister. Um, let's mention um, the Scottish Tories because John Lamont, John Lamont, John Lamont. How do you say his name? I don't know. You try not to say his <laughs> name. Well, I can imagine how you say it. Well, in Orkney, in, in, in Orkney um, because it's a, a strong name where I'm from in Orkney, it's Lamont. But right. um, I think he tries to, I think he says it's um, Lamont. Right. But, Whoever he is, yeah. John, John the Tory, yeah. got and said. Uh, the SNP are going to raise taxes. Now, the Tories were like, this is a bad thing. But, you know, this is a great thing, isn't it, Neil? They're going to squeeze the rich. 
going to tax well, we into their pip squeak. It's going to be the best budget ever coming up this week, isn't it? Well, clearly we don't know until Derek Mackay stands up tomorrow. And genuinely, I don't know what uh, oh, his on. plans you are. Must have it in I, I really genuinely don't. Uh, I don't know what um, his plans are. I haven't seen uh, his budget. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm sure that he will look to take an approach that will be in the best interest of the Scottish economy tomorrow. Oh, come on, Nicholas said. <clears throat> Nicholas, Nicholas as good as said taxes are going up, isn't she? No, I don't know. I mean, we're genuinely having a discussion uh, with the other parties in Parliament around in, in Holyrood uh, around what uh, we think is the best approach to taxation, because obviously this is you know a very important moment for Scottish politics, and that we uh, have uh, powers at our disposal uh, that we have to use them responsibly. We have to re- use them in a way that um, raises the revenue that we can spend on public services, but doesn't harm um, people who are trying to get by and that have been the victims of uh, Tory austerity for the last 10 years. I, th- I think there was, a, there was a fairly heavy hint this morning dropped in the fact, I think it was just released this morning, there was a 10-page note from the Scottish Government that was put on their website probably about an hour before PMQs, which basically made the argument against an increase of the additional rate from 45 to 50p. So I think we could probably assume from that mm. that there is not going to be a 50p tax rate in Derek Mackay's budget tomorrow, but what there probably is going to be then, if you draw from the paper that they <coughs> launched a few months ago, are changes to changes to maybe new bands, additional mm-hmm. bands. Yeah. I, th- for me, this this sort of sticks in the throat uh, a little bit and you know, to break the spirit of consensus that we've had so far um, between us, between myself and Neil, um, we've been making this argument about increasing the revenues for the Scottish budget now for, what, three years? Yeah. Um, you know, Kez first gave a speech on it, uh, I think two and a half years ago. Well, no, actually it'll be three years in about three years ago, and we were told time and time again by the SNP it would damage the economy, any po- any potential tax rises would be disastrous, um, it would drive people out of the country, not just the 50p tax rate, but any any sort of tax increases. And we were making the really straightforward, honest argument that if you want to have high-quality public services, you need to find a way to pay for it. And we were pilloried. But in that time, and, you and get now, losing elections and the SNP get winning them. Yeah, but, we were, but, we, were, but, we, were making, we, but we were making an honest argument about the public services, again, coming back to real people's but lives, it's not just, people are seeing the, of course, the, the, it's not the just, pressure on their services it's now. It's not just the Scottish Government that has tax raising powers as well though and um, of course local authorities uh, have the power to raise taxes and it's illuminating again I don't want to I don't wish to break the <laughs> consensus between Martin and I that has been building up up until now uh, but uh, Labour run uh, local authorities across the country have refused to use their powers of raising council tax uh, which you know they then um, scream poverty to the Scottish Government and say that there's you know Massive uh, uh, deficits in in, the, in their in their books after making several political decisions in North Lanarkshire, for instance, twenty five million pounds a year on PPP contracts. Um, you know, so it, it's it's not fair just to suggest that this is uh, you know a, a decision uh, or a, an issue for the Scottish government to deal with. Local government if uh, has a responsibility here, and I believe in local decision making and people being held accountable for the decisions at local government level. Local government have some uh, tough decisions to take as well, all because of Tory austerity, and that's what I am here at Westminster oh, to fight, on. is because of Tory austerity. You can't go... <coughs> you're, now, can. you're now screaming poverty, then it's to do with Tory austerity. Well, that's you're, where the cuts saying, start. Of course I am. That Westminster's I think blame. Martin and I could be in agreement on that. Yeah, we could. <laughs> Westminster's to blame, and local government's no, to blame, no, 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 I've said no, 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 that's not what I said, James, that's not what I said. I said we all have tough decisions to take, and we are all responsible for those decisions. The Scottish Government has got a decision to take tomorrow regarding what it does about finances. Local government will have a decision to take as a result of that. 
SNP MPs and to be fair, Labour MPs at Westminster as well are fighting the Tory austerity because this is where the cuts are starting. Ten years of successive cuts to the Scottish budget uh, at Holyrood mean of course there are pressures on the Scottish budget and there are tough decisions that need to be taken. But it's not fair just to label those tough decisions at the door of the Scottish Government. Local government are responsible for raising taxes as well and revenue raising and have a responsibility that they need to be held accountable to, to the, by their local electorate as well. If we, if, we, if we cast our mind back just a couple of years, local government, and I, I, you know, I understand now that obviously local government can increase ta- taxation, but their hands were tied. For years, their hands were tied. Now, some, some councils, Labour and SNP, have decided to increase, others haven't. But through that whole time, the Scottish government had tax, tax raising powers, they weren't used. And only last year did we see small changes in the thresholds in order to raise a small, relatively insignificant amount of money. And um, of course, for the, the council tax for the, the Scottish budget. The, 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 the number of years of the, of the council tax freeze in Scotland was fully funded to the local Scottish But we know it wasn't fully funded because more and more and more was ring fenced. Well, that's, that's, that's of course what... Well, I've, I'll take your ring fencing point. But the Scottish Parliament uh, Library confirmed that the, um, the council tax freeze was fully funded by the Scottish Government. But on ring fencing, um, you know, I'm aware that North Lanarkshire considers its PPP considerations as being... PPP. Uh, private partnership oh, agreements, yeah. so building uh, yeah. buildings on massive um, yeah. contracts that extend for 25 years and more, basically putting the money on the credit card. Um, that they, they consider, look, some local authorities are considering those PPP obligations uh, as part of their ring-fenced money. Now, in North Lanarkshire, that runs to £25 million a year, and they're suggesting that their uh, deficit is going to be £22 million a year. It doesn't take uh, a genius to suggest where they need to start looking into and which is what other authorities have done and other and the Scottish Government has done in, tra- in terms of trying to renegotiate these PPP contracts. There are avenues that these uh, authorities can take but the Scottish Government cannot be held accountable for poor political decision making by some local authorities. It can, that be, held, it can be held accountable for its own poor political I've, decision making. Well, I, 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 I don't and, and it it can be held accountable for the It can be held accountable for its decision making whether it's poor or not is for the voters to decide and tomorrow obviously they'll have a big decision to right. make and it'll be very interesting to see what Derek does. Conveniently, or maybe not, you've got to dash off and, uh, and, and <laughs> harangue the RBS. Uh, while we're disagreeing, let's just briefly mention the fact that Stuart Malcolm MacDonald used the phrase last Christmas in his in his question. What's the best Christmas song? Ooh, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. Oh, good choice. Good oh, choice. Pogues, Fairy Tale. No, oh, ob- uh, both, I love that both, one. Both obvious. I also like Shaking Stevens as well. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's a, a good, good one. one. Yes, it's actually Last Christmas by Low. That is the best Christmas <laughs> song. Uh, let's finish with uh, the never ending chain of questions, which is I Love Your Questions. I love your questions. I love your questions. I love your questions. <laughs> I love your questions. Uh, Neil just went, oh no, not because of this feature, uh, because obviously he's not thought about his answer, even though I told him about a week ago what the question was. I thought he'd be thinking about nothing else for the last week. (laughs) No, no, just the fact that I have to pose a question to some unknown person next. I'm thinking, oh no. Question set for you by, uh, oh, that uh, Tory man, uh, Andrew Bowie, uh, was, what is your favourite political speech? So, I mean, you could go back in history and look at so many influential speeches that there have been, but I decided to look at it just in the, the, the prism of my time in Parliament okay. uh, and what I've, uh, what I've seen. And, and I worked in the Scottish Parliament for eight years as well, so I've seen the likes of Margot MacDonald's speech on okay. assisted suicide and, and, you know, you can look back at George Reid's on Iraq and, and a number of others. Yeah. But I think, you know, 
um, in terms of cross-party consensus, I think some of the speeches that Ken Clark has made in the EU withdrawal bill debates uh, have been exceptional. Um, you know, 20, 25 minutes, no notes, incisive political analysis. They have been uh, superb. And also um, Andy Burnham's speech uh, after the Hillsborough oh, right, inquiry okay. reported. I was in the chamber at that time and was, um, to be frank, captivated by what he was saying. He was uh, in Credible at representing um, what had happened there and did a very, very good job and it was a very, very good speech. So um, I think um, there are numbers that I could pick out. Mary Black's uh, maiden speech, there are numbers that I could number I could pick out, but those two, those have probably stuck in my mind. All available on hand side. You got a favourite political speech, Martin? I have written a few in my time. <laughs> um, I wouldn't put them down as the greatest. Uh, uh, but... Um, Come back to me on that one. Oh, okay. You're going it's to agree. Too, you're too going many. to agree with me. I was going to agree with you on Andy Burnham. If if I was just thinking oh, about the last fine. few, if I was going to think about the last few years, definitely Andy Burnham. I think um, there you go. Andy Burnham has done something good in his political yeah. career. That's, a, that's <laughs> a, there's a turn up for the books. Uh, um, question for I don't know who's going to be the next guest. We'll be back on January the 10th with the uh, uh, Political Yeti podcast. There'll be a UK and Changing Europe podcast on January the 3rd with Chukaramuna. But um, I don't know who the guest will be on January the 10th. So. Yeah, have to be some sort of random question you no, want to well, set. What, what's their New Year's resolution? Good question. Very good. <laughs> very topical. Right. Okay. We will finish there because uh, Neil's gone off to harangue uh, Ian Blackford's friends in the RBS. Um, <laughs> I will say thanks to Neil Gray. Thanks to Martin McCluskey. If you want to get in touch, I am at Political Yeti on Twitter. I am politicalyeti at gmail.com on the email. And my website is james-miller.com. You'll probably find details there for how to buy my book. Um, come back on January the 10th for another of these Political Yetis Politics podcasts. Thank you and happy Christmas.